Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Motor. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. And we've got a guest on coming on today that we've been waiting to talk to. You guys don't know how excited we were. Absolute legend. We've been saving this probably maybe the most business savvy artist that we have talked to you are not kidding. from a financial standpoint and what a perfect song to discuss with Mr. Businessman himself yes. than Mr. Businessman by Ray Stevens. Rob, play a little bit of it. Itemize the things you covet as you squander through your life. Bigger cars, bigger houses, term insurance for your wife. Tuesday evenings with your harlot And on Wednesdays it's your charlatan analyst He's high up on your list You've got air-conditioned sinuses And dark disturbing doubt about religion And you keep those cards and letters going out While your secretary is tempting you Your morals are exempting you from guilt and shame Heaven knows you're not to blame You better take care of business Mr. Businessman, what's your plan? Get down to business Mr. Businessman If you can't before it's too late And you throw your life away Oh, nice fade out. I was like, I wonder when he was going to fade it. It's good. <laughs> it's about to go into a whole it's, other it's, universe. That's right. You're about to, to, to mix it up a little On that bit. Second ver- so. Yeah, that second verse goes into, a, goes into a whole other plane. Okay, so... This is like a, this is going to be an artist spotlight episode Absolutely. in general, but we are focusing on this song because is it, I, I, it's my favorite it's, Ray Stevens song, mine, right? It's probably mine too. Yeah. I think uh, it's the, maybe the best song that he's ever written. Yeah. Um, and which is funny because most of the time, especially people our age, I think, think of Ray Stevens as comedy. Absolutely. They think comedy, novelty songs, the guitar Zans and the Ahab, the Arabs and the Bridget, the Midget, the Queen of the Blues. Yep. All these, right? The like, Streak. The Streak, the, the Mississippi, Mississippi Squirrel, Squirrel Revival. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. Uh, I, I will tell you, my favorite track, I have to clarify, is I Need Your Help, Barry Manilow. Okay. Because of my affinity yeah. for Barry Manilow. Yeah. But that's not a Ray Stevens written song, which right. we learned in the interview, yeah. which we'll hear about. But favorite Ray Stevens written song is yeah. this one. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yes. And so I, I always, and I, I think we talked to Ray about this. It's funny because in our interview with Ray, like seriously, y'all don't, y'all don't know, but like we talk all the time, and especially me, about Weird Al, right? How important he is to me and blah, 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 blah. Ray Stevens is not far behind. Yeah. Ray Stevens is, is in, the, in the pantheon of like my musical upbringing. Ray Stevens is almost equally important. Um, he just doesn't get talked about as much because Absolutely. I don't know, maybe because I feel like it's a, it's more of a Southern thing. I think Ray Stevens is more of a Southern thing. Um, although as evidenced by some stuff we're going to talk about later, he obviously had national appeal. Um, and, um, and since Rob mentioned Ray and weird Al, we were talking before, like if those guys are one and two and you can explain in, in comedy music, yeah, who's number three. Yes. Who, like if you're putting together the Mount Rushmore yeah. of, of musical comedy that is that is primarily music, not like 
um, not like funny actors who also make music, which I would consider obviously like Steve Martin is the line. He's mm-hmm. the over under for yep. me. And he, I put him just under this, this category mm-hmm. that I'm talking about, because to me, Steve Martin is an actor who, who makes plays music. music. Fantastic banjo player, but, by the way. Yeah. A- excellent. Bluegrass and whatever. But, Ed Helms, same way. Yes. Right. So, but who, so people that you think music first, mm-hmm. Who is it? Who is the, who is the rest of that Mount Rushmore? And I, I honestly, I tried to just Google it to give myself a starter, people to draw from, and it it wasn't. It was really only bringing up, you know, Jack Black, um, and and people like that. Uh, uh, even like the Lonely Island, right? Which is sort of that's a blurred mm-hmm. area because there it's kind of both, you know. Um, so who? Who is it? Do you have any thoughts? Well, uh, we joked about Mark Lowry, but yes, that's just Mark, yes. the oh, yeah. Christian music is it industry. Cletus T. Judd? There you go. Is he third oh, on the man. Mount Rushmore? Dude, no. William Walker Jr. Got, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. That'll take yeah. us someplace completely different. You've got guys like, uh, you know, really, like, really I don't know, like here. Tim Wilson that we talked about a couple weeks ago with Joey Abbott, or, um, but I mean, honestly, he, that, I'm not saying, but I'm just trying to think people in that, who is it, who is out there? Made a career of of making funny music. Spike Jones. Spike Jones is probably okay. on that Mount Rushmore. Um, and um, who else? I don't really know who else. If just just straight up comedy music, novelty, yeah. funny, you know, whatever. The the Monster Mash guy, <laughs> whatever his name was. <laughs> I was working in the lab. It was a graveyard smash. It was a graveyard smash. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you for putting me on your Mount Rushmore. <laughs> All right, thanks for stopping thanks by. Thanks for stopping by. Whatever that your name dude, is. That dude. I feel like I should know it. My kids love that song. But uh, he had like 18 versions of that song, by the way. It's like Monster Mash Revisited, <laughs> Let's Monster Mash Again, you know, all those like trying to recapture whatever it was. Before. I feel like we should play a little bit of the samplings of some of the ones that we've talked about just to, 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 tell, them, to tell the listeners which Absolutely. ones are So you can pick. We can do a little Ahab the Arab, Guitar Zan, yeah. The Streak. Pick, pick, whatever and listen, you think. I, I'm fully aware at this point that like, some of some of Ray Stevens' earlier stuff is probably now considered problematic. Uh, you know what I mean? Sure. Like there's yeah. some uh, some um, you know classifications used or some some sentiment that's used. I, I'm I'm fully aware of that. Nothing. It, some of this stuff is sixty years old and and just doesn't hold up the same. You know what I mean? <laughs> Society has moved on from some of these right. from some of these things. Like I kind of feel that way about Ahab the Arab, and it's but it, but it's it, you know I've re- I've read his thing about. You know, it's literally he's just sort of retelling in a in a in a funny way the story of uh, what is it, Arabian Nights? You know, what oh I mean? yeah, it just sounds it just sounds a little it just sounds a little insensitive to say Ahab the Arab. I think it's the pronunciation Arab, right? Like, yeah, that uh, that, that right, only yeah. happens in the South, right? Sure. People in uh, you know people in Minneapolis Minneapolis are not saying Arab. It's like down here you get people that say Italian. You know, it's like. <laughs> It's it's not the same, but uh, let's let's go through some of Ray Stevens' like just greatest hits, and there are a great many. Let's see what we got here. Here's the Mississippi Squirrel Revival. Well, when I was a kid, I'd take a trip every summer down to Mississippi. Mississippi. My granny and her antebellum were. I'd run barefooted all day long, climbing trees, free as a song. One day, I happened to catch myself a squirrel. Well, I stuck him down in an old shoebox and 
punched a couple I'll skip to the chorus. When Sunday came, I snuck him in the church. Because he goes through two full verses before he gets there. In the very last few, showing him to my good buddy Hugh, when that squirrel got loose, went totally berserk. What happened next is hard to tell. Some thought it was heaven, others thought it was hell. But the fact that something was among us was plain to see. That's a great line. Nice. The fact that something was among us was claimed plain to see. The day the squirrel went berserk in the first uprighteous church in a sleepy little town of Pascagoula. It was a fight for survival that broke out. Hallelujah. Oh, Dude, that's just funny. And that hits so close to home Absolutely. for kids like us. Absolutely. Did you remember the video growing up? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I, I felt like his videos were everywhere. His videos were everywhere. And we're going to talk about just how everywhere his we videos were. We can go ahead were. and segue into that. Um, or do we want to play another song? Yeah, let's play, let's play a little more. Let's hit a few. Um, how about It's Me Again, Margaret? Uh, yeah. This was the first I ever heard of like stalking, uh, anything like yeah, that. Yeah. a fella named Willard McBain And he only had just one thought on his brain Every evening about midnight he'd slip off alone And call the same lady on a paid telephone It's me again, Margaret <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is Margaret <laughs> You don't know me, Margaret, but I know you. <laughs> okay, I don't. It's so so. Just good old fashioned harassment. That's great. Just, <laughs> just you know, you remember the good old days when just you could just anyway. People uh, in the north are like, that's exactly how every one of y'all are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's like. It, this is what I'm saying. I'm really interested to know if some of our listeners not in the South yeah. are aware at all our of Ray Canadian Stevens. folk. What do you think? <laughs> Have you heard of Ray Stevens? Ray Stevens. This is completely right. off your uh, yeah. off your radar. Exactly. Are you like who is this guy? Who's this like who is this legend? Yeah, yeah. Legend. What legend of what? This is how I feel. By the way, I bet. I bet. Like Canadian listeners, uh, UK listeners. This is how we feel when we get like Joe Dolce. Yeah. You know what I mean? When we discover that, like, this guy charted, kept, kept, yeah. this guy was number one yeah. for like a month, uh-huh. you know, this is how, and we go, what? Yeah. So I guarantee you, some of y'all, uh, let us know at Great Song Pod on all the socials uh, if you have, if Ray Stevens is just totally off your radar. If and, you're like, uh, who is this dude? And we toyed with it earlier, but please stick around. You're really going to enjoy the interview that we yeah. have with Ray. It's a very, we enjoyed getting to talk to somebody of his caliber. Yeah. And it's a, it's a different interview than a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff we have is quirky and, and it's, he's Mr. Businessman. He's straightforward. He's, yeah. he's, he's going to hit you be- between the eyes with it. As such a funny guy, who does such funny stuff and writes such funny music? He's just very. Um, he, he's this guy. So, like, I brought down some album covers because I wanted to show. So, this is the Ray Stevens album that I have Mr. Businessman on, which yeah, is greatest, greatest hits. hits. And I was like, this is how he is when he gets businessman. So, I'm showing this to Rob. And yep. I feel like this is how he wakes up as John Travolta <laughs> in Can't Let You Go. Wow. So, please look very up similar album the covers. cover to Can't Let You Go by John Travolta. 
and then replace it with the Ray Stevens greatest hits. That's so and that's funny. how he becomes Mr. Businessman. He's very like um he's just he he's just he's just doing his work. This is my work to write funny songs. Yeah. And I'm just writing funny songs, mm-hmm. you know? And it's not like he's not cracking himself up all the time necessarily. It's just here's this hey, this is this is funny, I'll write it, you know. Yeah, I wonder if he thinks himself funny. Sure, or if he just knows that other people find it. Yeah, funny. exactly. Because yeah. you can't really tell. Like he's he's business when he brings the humor, yeah. and it and it translates wonderfully. I'm not sure he he might have cracked one joke the yeah. whole time that we spoke. Uh-huh. He might have said something that was funny. Couple, couple. You just ex- sort of expect, and probably wrongfully so, for people. You to expect sort of to be, interview the streak. Yeah, like when you yes, interview him, yes. and it, and you get Mister Businessman. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so it's really funny because. And I noticed, I could hear it in my own voice while we were interviewing and in the way I was approaching the interview. It's almost reverent. Uh-huh. Like it's, it's, I'm over explaining everything. And I'm like, I just got to make sure you know how much I love you. Yeah, Mr. Stevens. All this, yeah. Like, you know. Will you autograph my thigh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it was huge for us when, yeah. when we were like, dude. I don't know why I went thigh. <laughs> Hey, I, because it's intimate. That's right. right? I mean, only people who know you intimately get access to your thigh. That's why you said that. Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, Mr. Businessman, the album. So the, originally, uh, this was from the 1968 album, Even Stevens. His third studio album. Yes. Th- 45 um, studio albums. Holy cow. Holy cow. Um, so... And then he, so he is the king of a couple things that we're going to talk about. One we talk about in the interview, which is the laugh track. He's the king of the laugh track, which you just heard on It's Me Again, Margaret, where it's like, there's people laughing. As an adult, you realize, oh, that's a, that's canned laughter. That's like they used to put on mash or, you know, whatever the old sitcoms were. Um, But uh, even on like friends or I know friends was a live audience, but there was like, you know, you, you take the laugh track off. So this is just a button you push and it's uh-huh. people laughing. Yeah. Um, but, and he's the king of it, dude. He does it better than, better than anybody and more often than anybody. Um, and we talked to him a little bit about that. The other thing that he is the king of is re-recording. He was re-recording his original masters way before Taylor Swift was ever a gleam in her parents' eye. She, he he was doing this. She was negative thirty. Yeah, and he, he he's not the first to do it, but he's done it a lot. Um, all his greatest hits, there's at least three versions of. Yeah, and he's re-recorded them again for their like. Well, even this one that we played, Rob's like, oh, that's not the version I was expecting when right. we started because it because the the version that I've heard the most is the version that is on Greatest Hits Volume Two, which I can't believe I left at home. Rob has a huge collection of Ray Stevens vinyls, and he left them on his office yeah. table. We left them at business. Them. Come on, I mean, come on, left them at business. Um, but, but the 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 cover to that one is beautiful. I've had it on tape. I've had it on CD. I've got it on vinyl. Um, and it, but it's like the cover of Ray Stevens greatest hits volume two. Is that the baseball one? It's baseball. And it's it's him essentially dressed in a Mets uniform, Uh but it says moan across the front M O N E as in Ray moan short for, you know, like a a nickname for Raymond, um, that he calls himself. And so sometimes he just calls himself moan, but anyway, it's, it's all baseball themed. And did I tell you how the Mets got their colors? No. So Mets are, this is a little baseball segue for you guys. You know, we try to throw these in when we can. Uh, Mets are bl- predominantly blue and orange. Yes. So both teams that were in Brooklyn that left, you had the Brooklyn Dodgers that yes. were blue and the Brooklyn Giants that were orange, orange. that went to different places. Man. And so when the Mets came in, they took both of their colors. Wow. And made – I think the Mets have a beautiful jersey. I think it's good looking. It's, yeah, it is. Maybe too much Florida Gators, but other than that, it's a, it's a good looking jersey. Anyway, the pinstripes. But that's what Ray is wearing in the gray. Yeah, he's essentially wearing a Mets uniform that says moan in the front. And – um but anyway, so it, that's which speaks to because I'm holding 
Ray Stevens' Greatest Hits, Volume Number 1. one. Yeah. And Rob has Ray Stevens' Greatest Hits, Volume 2, yeah. both of which have Mr. Businessman on it. Yeah. So there yeah, you go. Yeah, true. And uh, so he's got, uh, you know, I mean, he's probably got five versions of the Mississippi Squirrel Revival. Sure. And you got you hear little differences in each one. One of my, one of Actually, one of the most frustrating ones is he has a song called The Ballad of the Blue Cyclone. Do you know that one? I don't know that one. Okay. So it's, a, it's, it's about a pro wrestler called The Blue Cyclone and a guy who goes to see... Uh, him in this match and gets sort of too involved in the match and this wrestler ends up beating him up and um and so it, there's a part one and a part two and then some recordings have them mishmashed together and so i i had it as a kid is the mix the same or is it it's it's close it's enough? a little different you know what i mean and depending on which version you have there's some slightly different lyrics okay and different presentation uh like you know just just different nuance in the way he says certain lines or whatever but when you're a kid you don't know that yeah and so you i've listened to this a thousand times as a kid and then as an adult i go to stream it somewhere and it's not the right version oh. and my brain will not allow it it's like <laughs> yeah. no 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 you know yeah. but there's but there's so in the even some lyrics like um he's it so in part what two i guess it is he recruits some friends to go um uh, you know like help him confront this guy again he's like i think if i hadn't been drinking i think i could have took him you know <laughs> and um and so like he's uh, his his friend says i know these two old boys that weigh 210 and in one version he says they'd wade through hell just to fight a circle saw <laughs> and then then the other version he says which i always thought was really funny and then the other version he says um, they'd take on a grizzly with a switch in the woods at night, which is funny, but it's not it's as not funny the as they wade yeah. through hell just to fight a circle saw. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. A guy fighting a circle saw. That's comedy right there. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so it's but it's so if you get if you fall in love with a specific version of one of Ray's songs, you better know very specifically what album it's on. Yeah, because it's going to be if you try to search for it and, yeah. several other ways. But it's genius move on him because his these early recordings are owned by you know, um, um, Columbia or, or, or MCA or one of the early labels that he was associated with. And, but once he started building his own studios and owning his own masters, then every time that gets bought, Royalties. every time that gets played, mm-hmm. yep. that all goes to him. Yep. There's no red tape involved. It's going straight Mr. to Mr. Businessman. He's a smart businessman. One of the early Nashville business guys. Yep. Um, and, and one of the cornerstones of, of Nashville Absolutely. really as a, Absolutely. from a business perspective. So a little bit more on Mr. Businessman from the 1968 album, Even Stevens, um, which was his first sort of serious album. There's not really any like straight comedy on here. There's no like slapstick, you know, whatever. Yep. There's some, I think there's some like humor a little bit, but, um, but no, like just comedy songs. Um, Mr. Businessman actually went to number 28 on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, wow. I didn't it was, know that. it was a I big song. Um, one of his early top 40 hits and uh, went to number seven in Canada. Big song in Canada. So well, there you go. They get him. Yeah, they, yeah, that's true. I didn't even. Yeah. So, um, but I wonder. Yeah, I wonder as the. I wonder if the sticky stuff. Yeah, is as well as known, well. or if there's like late sixties. You know, whatever. Because yeah. it's a. Um, this is really a. A what do you call it? Uh, like social commentary. Yeah. Kind of song. You know. Uh, it was produced by Fred Foster and Ray Stevens. It was recorded at Bradley's Barn, uh, which is a studio in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, just outside Nashville. Not far from us where we're recording. Yeah. Uh, owned by a man named Owen Bradley. Owen Bradley is one of the architects of what became, quote unquote, the Nashville sound. Okay. Um, as Nashville grew into a recording industry hub in the 50s and 60s, 
Owen Bradley started pioneering this new country sound, making more sophisticated, um, using strings instead of like Appalachian fiddle stuff, Mm -hmm. adding steel guitars and these like lush backing vocals where you have a lot of layered. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. More like easy listening vibes and and a pop influence. Uh, sonically on mm-hmm. these on these country songs, um, more refined lyrics, and then a world class group of musicians that he handpicked, like Chet Atkins, Grady Martin, uh, Bob Moore, Hank Garland, and Buddy Harmon, who became known as Nashville's A Team, like they That's were good. the you know the A players. Um, so Bradley's original studio called Quonset Hut Studio, which was literally just a a, a Quonset Hut um, building that that they recorded out of, is regarded as essentially the birthplace of commercial pop country music. I like that. That's um, good. And uh, it launched singers like Loretta Lynn, Kitty Wells, Patsy Cline, Conway Twitty, all launched by this guy. Hello, okay. darling. Yeah. Uh, so he produced also Bill Monroe and Jimmy Rogers, all kinds of people. So in 1961, he sold Quonset Hut to Columbia Records and built Bradley's Barn in Mount okay. Juliet as a demo studio um, that he converted from a literal barn. And so that is where then this was recorded. That's and awesome. Ray Stevens is right there among, if he wasn't part of the A team, he was on the B team, right? Of yep. those Nashville studio Fantastic musicians. Fantastic piano player. Fantastic piano player. He plays a bunch of different instruments. Incredible arranger. Uh, he's won awards for arrangements and uh, you know all this stuff. And, and Have you seen the video with him, Lee Greenwood, uh, Steve Warner? Um, dude, it's awesome. Wow, Let's no. take a second and I need you to look it up. Yeah. It's the like the greatest band in the world or something like that. Okay. Let's watch this. I'm gonna come over and watch it okay. and make and pull it up and let's let's hear a little bit of it together. Because Ray stuff's at the beginning, I believe. It's okay. the, uh, I see. Okay, Chet this is Chet Atkins introducing them. You know, Ralph Embry and I have heard just about everything and everyone that's made a noise in Music City over the years. I guarantee nobody's ever seen this act before. Probably because it would be too expensive to get them all to sign a contract, don't you know? Well, Chet Atkins is a real uh, charismatic performer, let me tell you. To do different and new things. Charismatic MC. Here for the first and last appearance, the world's most famous unknown band. Here we are. So I see Lee Greenwood on saxophone. Steve Warner, yeah. Oh, that's a Mandrell on drums. One of the Mandrell sisters. Roy Clark. Ray Stevens on piano. Wow. He does. That's Lee Greenwood on saxophone. God bless the USA. Jerry Reed coming in with a guitar solo. Is that Glenn Campbell? Glenn Campbell. Steve Warner coming in clean. I think that's Barbara Mandrell on drums. Ricky Skaggs on violin. That's right, yes. That's Barbara. Barbara Mandrell on steel. Russian on the steel guitar. Wow. Dang, I'm so glad you showed me that, dude. 
That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Wow. That's one of my that's one of my favorite Ray moments there. Fantastic side road there. Way to way to drop that in. So um, I literally walked around the room to watch it on the video. That's why I sounded yeah. like I was distant. Behind me. Because yes. I was. It was yeah. Um so by the way, uh Ray Stevens, aka Harold Ray Ragsdale. You know that? I did not. I should have. Born nineteen thirty nine. Goodness gracious. Uh, January 24th, 1939. So he is 82 and still putting out brand new music. It's amazing. With videos. At 82, I hope I can like get off the couch. Yeah. You're like, for real. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, um, and we talk in the interview about like, you know, I, I got to take my son to see him at, he has a thing in Nashville called Ray's Cabaret. And it's a, it's a, essentially a theater that he built, um, he did a lot of so he's obviously he's done a lot in like Vegas. He had a theater in Branson, Missouri in the early nineties that blew up huge. It was like the height of like the theater thing in Branson. Those that are from uh, Gatlinburg area, Pigeon yeah. Forge that would have like Stampede used to be called Dixie Stampede, yeah. um, which is like a dinner show, yeah, and that kind of thing. Yeah, theater and a show, and a, you know, and and so it's that it's like an old school. It's like an it's like a sixties. Vegas vibe, mm-hmm. you know, it's that sort of thing where it's like just dinner at round tables and, you know, and so, um, anyway, but he's, he gets up there and does like an hour and a half show at the cabaret. And then after the show, he goes, there's like a lounge area where people, there's like a bar and whatever. And there's like a lounge piano guy. And he just goes in there and, and just starts singing just random more songs, whatever with the piano guy. He's taking shots with people at the bar. He's 80. Like, you know, it's just wild, dude. He's just show business to the, to the core, right? Absolute show business to the core. A little bit more on Ray. Uh, actually, a lot more on Ray. Um, so, but literally, he he's got out a, a new a new video that is like brand new. Like I saw it last night for the first time, and it's called what is it called? Um, it's called Hoochie Coochie Dancer. Okay, and it's a guy who falls in love with a da- with a with a dancing girl at like a carnival sideshow kind of thing. Okay, and uh, but it's literally so now he he owns it's it's like you know the thing of of like in a business if you um. You make so much more money if you own the supply chain. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, the, so that if you if you own the factory where the parts are made, then you don't have to pay a middleman to get the parts. Yep, and all that kind of stuff. Ray does that with music and video production. He owns the company. He owns the, the the building. He owns the masters. He owns the equipment. He owns the you know what I mean. He he produces the songs. He mixes the songs. He he records the videos. He you know gets the videos produced in house. It's all his, and so he's just still just rolling and making bank off this That's you know awesome. stuff. Um and and you know every now and then he'll he'll still put something out that like gets a million uh, views on YouTube, you know, or whatever. Like it just it's just crazy because he still has this audience that even as so as he's gotten older, he's gotten into more of like political he he sort of hit a political vein and kind of ran with it because it was where the it was where, where the, the dollar was where the dollar went you know so um so he, he has done a lot of that recently that is not necessarily my my taste but um and we know that we've talked a lot about his business savvy and that we've talked a lot about he's more than just making money oh yeah but yeah, yeah. he's very smart with the but way he does exactly it. he knows what he's good at and he's incredibly smart at doing it to his benefit you know what i mean and that's he's to be commended for that that's not a that's not a knock at all um so anyway he has won two grammys 
Uh, he won the Grammy for Best Contemporary Male Vocalist in 1971 for Everything, Everything is, beautiful. is Beautiful. Play, a, play little a little Absolutely. If you if you know him for a serious song other than Mr. Businessman, you know him for Everything is Beautiful. Everything is beautiful in its own way. Like a starry summer night or a snow-covered winter's day. And everybody's beautiful in their own way. And under God's heaven, the world's gonna find a way. So that's Everything is Beautiful from the album Everything is Beautiful. This is great. Listen to some of the tracks on this album. Uh, there's a cover of She Came In Through the Bathroom Window on that album by the Beatles. Um, let's see what else. Here's what, here's what I really like about it. On the, on the cover, there's a sticker on the cover, and that cover says, in, uh, featuring the Academy Award winner, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. The funny thing about that is it's not his Academy Award. Yeah. He's just pointing out. There's this a song. song that won an Academy Award. Yeah. And it's on this record. It's on this record. That's awesome. It's not the version that won it, but it this features that song. That's you know great. what I mean? Could you get away with that now? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there would probably be some sort of legal thing to stop you. I like, like if we were like featuring the hit Blinding Lights. Yeah. Like the- <laughs> Yes, exactly. Like, yeah. Oh, those guys did blinding. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, featuring yes, featuring you know, record of the year. I can't feel my face. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That'd be. I think what would happen is I think there's probably nothing. Although, what do I know? But it seems to me like there would be nothing legally to stop you from doing it. But I don't think a record label would allow it yeah. because they wouldn't want to get in litigation. Over sure. It. No. So. But that's really funny. And that's a different kind. I mean, that's just a savvy move, right? Absolutely. It's a smart move because especially at that time. that's Can't like, go look it up on the internet. Oh, I wonder who did that song. Exactly. Oh, it's Ray Stevens. It's, I never knew that. Yeah. Because okay. you get at home, you're like, it sounds a little different. Yeah. But, but, but it's the same song. Delivery like, sing, close sing enough. Sing along with it. Exactly. It's, that same so, guy that did that did Guitar Zayn. Right. <laughs> I love it. And of course, that's back in the day when everybody used to cover, there'd be, you know, five different versions of some song that came out. George Benson covered the entirety of Abbey Road two weeks after it released, (laughs) you know, whatever. Um, The other uh, Grammy that he won was for Best Arrangement Accompanying Vocalists in 1976 for his song Misty, which is, you know what, might be his best known song also if... If you don't know him from Everything's Beautiful, you don't know him from Mr. Businessman, you might know him from Misty. <laughs> Let's play a little bit of his version of Misty. That's just cool. Come That's on. awesome, man. It's a great album cover, dude. He's really going for Barry Manilow on this album cover. <laughs> oh, that's a Bee Gees reference. Oh, yeah. There you go. Bee Gees. Oh, good call. Look at me. I'm as helpless as kitten love tree. So this is a cover, but for the arrangement, he won a Grammy. Crazy. He took it and kind of did a different take on it and, uh, and won a Grammy for it. He has been nominated nine other times for comedy songs like I Need Your Help, Barry Manilow, nominated for a Grammy. Would Jesus Wear a Rolex, which is one of my favorites. Uh, it's about like... It's in the early days. There was a period in like the late 80s where it was like 
televangelist after televangelist after televangelist was was falling into these scandals, right? You had and actually a, a movie just came out about it, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Have you seen oh, that? Oh, I haven't. I need to watch Okay, that. okay. It's it's uh Andrew Garfield okay. and um Jessica Chastain. Okay, that would be uh Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Yeah, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Um and the scandal that that Jim Baker fell into after they built up this huge um, thing and then there's like Jimmy Swaggart and just all these you know dominoes start falling in this in this particular like evangelical circle um, and they're still falling to this day by the way if I'll be honest um, but uh, this was like right before that this came out at the when you're first starting to see like the um, you know the rich TV preacher on television and this was sort of a blowback this is his version of Jesus he knows me yes Yes, it is. Exactly, it is. Um, exactly. Yes, exactly. Dang, that's really good. It's sort of a, you know, is this really Jesus going to roll up in his Bentley? You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Have you seen wow. Leap of Faith? I love Leap of Steve Faith. Steve Martin movie? Yes. I do too. I like it too. Surprisingly touching. Yeah, it's good. I watched it because it was like, you, we make no secret about our background. Sure. We both grew up in like evangelical, you know, church, and we're we're still part of it. We're not we're not part of a, a large group of people that have fallen away, but we're also realistic about the way we look at things. Absolutely, and 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 not afraid to be like, that's not right. You know. Whatever. So I watched it when I was too young to watch it, and yeah. if that makes sense, because it came out when we were young, and didn't even, make sense. Even my parents were like, this may be a little confused. They like they yeah. kind of prepped me on it. I watched it again a couple years ago, and I was like, I get it. Same. Like I get it. Yeah, so. and I watched it a few years ago, thinking, okay, this is going to be an absolute mockery but i want to watch it mm-hmm. and then you go oh okay all yeah. right yeah yeah so great great yes exactly so uh with jesus wear a rolex he was nominated for guitar zan uh for everything is beautiful for misty he was even nominated for a gospel track his version of a gospel song called love lifted me uh nominated for a, a grammy for that he's received bmi awards for songs like the streak which is literally just Hilarious. a song about a guy streaking through sporting events Hilarious. and on the news. Um, and uh, it, they're just so funny. If we played you every clip that we were like, dude, that's funny, we'd be here for 10 hours. Yeah. Cause, but it's seriously, some of his stuff is just so funny. And, and uh, My favorite line in that, obviously, other than the don't look Ethel, is she already got a free shot. She, yes. He runs great. through a basketball game. Yeah. And that's it, so each instance, it's, it's basically a guy saying, this happened, right? <laughs> and he's calling the action. And, and, um, and so he's, it's always, don't look, Ethel. And then he says, but it was too late. Yeah. She done whatever, yeah. right? And yeah. so the one of the basketball games, she done got a free shot. She done been moon. She yeah. done uh, whatever. I don't know. It's all very Southern, y'all. Yeah. I don't know if it makes sense in Connecticut. I have no idea. <laughs> but but we love it. We love it. He was inducted in 1980 into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame and the Georgia Music Hall of Fame. That's a, I mean... That's about as big as it gets around here. You know, the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame yeah. is whatever. He's won Billboard Home Video Awards. Billboard. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not Nashville. Mm-hmm. That's not Billboard Nashville chapter. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not uh, Columbia Records Nashville. That's not Fire by Night collection. <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah, that's exactly. Moody that's, Institute. It's like, <laughs> it's like Billboard. Yeah, Billboard Home Video Awards. He has a 10 times platinum home video. One of his home videos has sold over 10 million copies. That is Comedy Video Classics, which is what you were referencing earlier, which just has a bunch of his music yeah. videos. The Mississippi Squirrel Revival. Uh, I think it's got Would Jesus Wear a Rolex maybe on there. Um, a, b- a bunch of the others. The Streak. Santa Claus is watching you. Co- I mean, he's everywhere. He's ev- Come on. That's just funny, dude. Yeah. Um, and then he has two other 
platinum home video collections that are at least one times platinum. And I'm guessing probably more, but he was genius because I don't know if you remember this, but in the late eighties, early nineties, he was on the front lines of the like infomercial gimmick where he started selling these home videos. So he was recording his performances in Branson and then turning them into home videos and releasing them. And they would do, commercials for them and, and I think they even did like 30 minute infomercials for these Ray Stevens collections and and concerts and whatever and he ends up selling millions and millions of these home videos which is brilliant and and by the everybody way everybody had a VCR in yeah, late 80s everybody then. had a VCR and and if you want to talk about selling uh home videos is more profitable than selling albums cuz you're talking about at the time, probably twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, I mean, like yes, exactly. Right. It's the, the numbers kind of get a little mind blowing when you uh-huh. start to think about what was rolling in off these off these videos. But just brilliant move on his part. He was inducted into the Christian Music Hall of Fame in two thousand nine, the Country Music Hall of Fame just two years ago in twenty nineteen. That was a big deal. The you know the Country Music Hall of Fame because that's the that's the industry that he is really. Um, put his life into yeah. wh- whether it's the 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 you know straight up uh, you know just regular songs songwriting production arranging all that stuff session musician and then comedy also you know but also like deep fried comedy yeah. you know deep that's, fried comedy that's I like what that. I, I and I consider us as we're not a southern show but I say if I'm describing us to people who just know nothing about us I say we're southern fried mm-hmm. you know. Because it it because we are we can't help it yeah. a little bit. Well, we've talked a little bit about the band. I told Rob before I had a really tough time. Um, play the jingle. We're okay. gonna play the Meet the Band jingle, and then we're gonna do this version of Meet the Band. Okay. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey. Okay, so I told Rob before. I cannot find who played on this album. Yeah. So this is every episode since we've started Meet the Band. I've gone deep. I found, and this is one that I had some trouble. So we should have asked Ray, I guess, while we yeah. had him. That would have been the smart. We play. didn't know it was going to be so hard we, to suss yeah, out. Yeah, but but no, yeah. So anyway, I uh, I so I told Rob like before we started, I was like, what if we just threw out people that we picture. As like businessmen, yeah. Like if you were going to put together your business, so this is not the band that played on no, this, not at all, at all. Mm-mm. So, and I didn't prep this, and Rob didn't prep this. So yeah. he's like, well, let's just Spitfire and see where we land, right? So well, I'll say, there's every chance that some of those guys I mentioned when we were talking about Bradley's Barn played on this. Chet Atkins ha- definitely no on idea. tambourine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so I'm just going to throw out drummer. I'm going to throw out Frank Beard. R.I.P. from ZZ Top okay. because he's a sharp-dressed man. Oh, uh, wow. So I'm going that angle. Okay. And he's pretty busy. So oh, that's man. my drummer. Okay. You don't have to pick one, or you can throw out somebody you think could be anything okay. in the band. So, so I was just thinking, who who is the most just... Business savvy? Just 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 plain down-to-business okay. drummer. Okay. Steve Gadd. That's good. Yeah. Right, is, I've seen him twice recently. I saw him with Jackson Brown yeah. not too long ago, and then with Clapton. Uh, he just gets up there and does his thing. Yeah. There's no flash you know, yeah. whatsoever. He just, boom. That's good. It's, it's Steve Gadd. That's good. I like that. On, uh, on I'm, I picked two guitar players because I'm thinking business like i'm thinking suit okay like that's who i'm thinking okay. and i'm going on rhythm guitar i'm going bowie because okay. he's suited up yeah i'm not ziggy stardust yeah but bowie straight up so bowie. Go, straight up bowie on uh, on rhythm guitar yeah 
cool like fashion icon yes. Bowie. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And in that same vein, I'll just transition to who's going to play lead for me okay. suited up is Prince. Oh. Prince is going to be my lead guitar player. On oh, that. that's good. That's good. I think for I think for guitar, I think I'm just going to choose one for now because I don't know who I would choose for my second one. But when I think of just an all business guitarist, I think I think of Steve Lukather. That's good. I yeah, he is he is very business focused. Yep, and so. plays with everybody. Yeah, he's, good, good on on everything with everybody. Yeah, um, on keys, this one's probably going to be a little deeper for some of y'all. Do you know who Joe Jackson is? So look up "Stepping Out." You might okay. know this song. So this guy definitely he he plays in a tuxedo. Like okay. he's a t- like "Stepping Out with My Baby." No, no. this is a great song. I really like uh, "Stepping Out." This is a joke. Oh, I know. I'm stepping out. Anthony works in the convenience store. No, that would be moving out. Okay, I'm sorry. Another another business keyboard guy. Yeah, it's true. This is an ad. This is it. It's fading in from another song. You know this song? I love this song. I don't think I know this song. Dude, this song is great. Oh, wow. Hooks for days in this song. What do I know this from? I have no idea. I just know the song. Wow. Wow. What video game is this the intro music for? <laughs> this is like Cruising USA? Could be. I don't know. Anyway, I yeah. love this song. Oh, man. Dude, this song is great. Dang it. Yeah. Adding this to my library right now. There you go. We'll get Joe Jackson next. Yeah. Dang. Oh, wait for it. Yeah, oh, man. Yes. Come on. So there's my keyboard player. You know what? Do you remember me talking forever ago, forever ago, about a song that I thought was, um, this is it. This is it, 100%. I overheard this at a at a grocery store or something, and I thought it was Alan Parsons Project. Okay. Okay. It's this one. And it was this. That's what it is. Thank you. Wow. That's one of my favorite songs. For tying up that loose end in my life. It's really been killing me. It only took we went, four years for us to we, get that. I know, right? We went through here one day, and I was playing song after song after song by Alan Parsons Project. I was like, dude, I forgot about this other song that they had. Couldn't find it. It's because it's, it's Joe Jackson. It's Joe Jackson. Wow! Um, on bass, who plays bass for us? Sting, I guess, right? I mean, yeah. He's, he, he's a little flashier than I would like. Okay. But he's very business. He is very business. I just am trying to think of somebody who's more business. It's too easy to go Nathan, Nathan East. Nathan East is the is the logical he's, play. Right. Um but like the thing about bass players is a, a, a good like no nonsense bass player just hides. You don't know who they are. That's true. You know? That's true. Um, Pino Paladino. Yes, P- yes, maybe Pino Paladino. He's just go. doing the dang thing. That's it, man. He's just back there killing it. Yeah. Um so that's the meet the band section. <laughs> But not really. Who would, you, who would uh, your all business vocals? I guess we're going Ray Stevens on on business vocals. I, well, you know what I would or? do. This is completely off. Okay. But I was thinking because I was thinking dress. This is dumb. Okay. But I was thinking Hager okay. because Sammy Hager because of Hagar pants. Remember <laughs> Hagar pants. <laughs> So there's our vocalist, well, Sammy Hagar. They made some comfortable slacks. This, this, they is, did. this is Sammy Pants. <laughs> Sammy Pants. Comfortable slacks. That's right. Come wow. At you. So, Dang it. Okay. I, I don't know where I was going with that, but wow. in my head it made sense. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, sorry, Sammy Hagar, obviously, we, we think about Van Halen. As we record, it's like two days past the anniversary of Eddie Van Halen's passing. 
Um, and David Lee Roth just announced a few days ago that he is retiring. So he's going to do five shows in Vegas. He's like, I'm going to blow it out. But he's like, my basically, essentially, my doctors tell me that my time is limited. And every time I go on stage, I'm taking time off of, you know, whatever. Um, and so he's going to blow out five performances in Vegas. He said he's going to have 75 rehearsals leading up to these five shows. Holy cow. Because he wants it to be. Perfect. Yeah. He just, you know who his band is? I don't yet, I, but I surely it's going to be. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe it's the guys he's playing with currently. I guess. Yeah. I guess maybe it is because the tour, the shows are already booked. So he's just saying these five shows are going to be my last. My last. That'll be great. So we'll see. And then he put out a poster. I think yesterday that said, "What did it say?" It, it was like you know David Lee Roth, like for the last time. Unless it isn't. <laughs> <Or something laughs> that's like classic. That. That's 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 classic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have a Stump the Genius. So okay. toss me the chord. Let's play a little Stump the Genius. Uh, the we're going to play. Uh, this is a good one. Stump the Genius. Stump the Genius. Stump the Genius. It's time to Stump the Genius. I take your part. Okay, I'm going to give you, let's see here. We're going to go seven. Let's do a minute. Let's put a minute on the clock. Okay. And I think you're going to get all seven of these rays. We're going to play Name That Ray. Name That Ray. Name That all Ray. Right. Um, I had a, we'll take Ray Stevens out, um, and we're just going to we're going to name that Ray. All right. This In a minute, be... he if you need to pass, pass, and we'll keep it going. So okay. he's going to set a minute on the clock. This is going to be the timer sound. That's it. Okay. So that's when we've hit the minute mark. So we've got a minute to get through. Name that. Let's do fifty seconds. Woo. Let's get aggressive. Okay, wow. That's less than that's 10. That's a lot of rays. That is a lot of rays. Oh, that's okay. 10. Okay, all right, 50 seconds. 50 seconds, seven rays. All right. That's less than 10 seconds per ray. Okay, all right. So here you go, Ready? and you can pass if you need to go okay. to the next one. Ready, Ready go. and go. Ray Parker Jr. Ray Parker Jr. Ray LaMontagne. Ray LaMontagne. If you need to pass, you can pass. No, let it keep going. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, no. All right, pass. Don't tell me who, though. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Stevie Ray okay. Vaughan. Was that last one Um, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus? This Was is the Billy previous Ray. one J- Jimmy? Jimmy? Uh, no. Uh, 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 crap. Ricky, Ricky Lee Jones? No. Uh. That didn't even have a Ray in it. This is Ray uh, freaking, what's his name? Um, <laughs> Ray Perm. Um, <laughs> Ray Perm. Oh my gosh, what's his name though? No! Time. Uh, that is Ray Bolts, Bolts, ladies and gentlemen. We did not get through him. We Would Would you've gotten this one? I got a woman. Oh, okay, yeah, Charles. Ray Charles, yeah. And the one you got stuck on was, that's Colin Ray. Colin Ray. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Ray Bolts, ladies and gentlemen. Ray Bolts. I got stumped little, on Ray Bolts. It's your little thank you for giving oh, to the Lord. Oh my gosh. Someone called your okay, so if, there you, it is. if you grew up in church in the 80s, whenever somebody like retired from teaching Sunday school or something like that, they played this song yep. and dedicated it Absolutely. to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody that sang in church like had this cassette soundtrack yep. in their purse. That's right. And ready on cue. Yep. It's like they had it in the they had one of those cassettes that had like the three different keys of the song. Oh yeah. Had the high, medium, and low. And they don't know where it is. Just play it. <laughs> just, just, just play it. 
Just real. I think it's in the middle. Yeah, just, just, I didn't queue it up at home. I'm sorry. And then there's one that has the same, and like one of them will be like with accompanied vocal. Yes. And they'll put it on. It'll be somebody singing over top yeah. of it. They're like, wait, wait, it's not that one. It's not that one. Let's skip ahead. Flip it over. Flip it over. That's right. <laughs> Remember when some of those were different colors, like purple? Yeah. And they had like, those yeah. were like, oh my goodness. Or green, they were like green foil under the surface. Yeah. That kind of thing. That's yeah, good absolutely. Stuff. That's wow. Awesome. Yes. What other song did everybody have the cassette soundtrack to, you think? Is there another one? Uh, I think, well, so I just know the ones that got sung a lot at my okay. church growing up. So, like, I've just seen Jesus by Larno Harris and, oh, and yeah. Patty. Um, Sandy uh, Patty. Sandy Patty. Yeah. Yeah, we that shall was a big one. Was there other one? What was, uh, what was, uh. There's Jesus, the one who died. I bowed on my knees and uh, cried yes. holy. I bowed on my knees and cried yeah, holy. Yes. That was actually my grandmother's jam. Like that's when yeah. I think of my my grandmother yeah. singing in church. That's the song that I remember. We had her a lady singing. named Sister Brannon that used to sing it. <laughs> Sister Brannon. And then I bowed on my knees and cried holy, 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 holy. Oh yeah. man, y'all don't even know what we're talking so, about. Yeah, right? dude. Southern, we went way deep on this. The niche that we just got into of Southern small Pentecostal church right. culture is really a thing unto it's itself. It's the Mississippi squirrel. It is. It's the Mississippi squirrel. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's right. That's we it. literally grew up in the Mississippi squirrel <laughs> churches. We did. We did. That's awesome. So thank you guys. Uh, you guys are going to love the interview with Ray. Yeah. Super cool. Thanks to Don uh, Mary Grubbs. Thanks to Don Grubbs for hooking us up with Ray. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, good stuff. Enjoy. Right. Stick around. Enjoy, enjoy me being like, uh, Mr. Stevens, uh, <laughs> um, if you just, I just want to say thank you and uh, for being just, just such a wonderful influence. <laughs> <laughs> so this, yeah, this is great, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, it's trucking right along through the season. Indeed. Season eight. We'll check you guys at the end uh, to tuck you in. But first, go follow us on all the socials at Great Song Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join the community at Great Songs and the People Who Love Them Greatly. That is our Facebook group. Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly. Did I say it right this time? You left out a great. Did I really? That's okay. Dadgummit. Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly. So much greatness in one group, it's hard to, it's hard to get it all out sometimes, you know? So, uh, And if you want to go a step further, be a part of supporting the show, helping us produce the show, you can go to patreon.com slash greatsongpod. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash great song pod and if you support the show in any way we get to say thank you by giving you stuff like early release extended episodes bonus shows and behind the scenes goodies uh, actually we owe our patrons an album that we said we were going to send them digitally a digital copy of yours and my instrumental That's album right. from college and uh, i've got to get that sent out to our patrons so i um, remind me i'm gonna i'm gonna get that to you patrons i know you've been waiting i know you've been holding on to hear <laughs> our like uh, uh lame bon jovi uh pastiches but uh yeah so we'll get that to you soon we'll be back in a few minutes to tuck you in but first let's go talk to ray stevens This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, I can't believe I'm about to say this. We are on the line with the one and only, the Nashville icon, Ray Stevens. Ray, how are you today, sir? Well, I'm, I'll never live up to that, but I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I, You know, I think of you as... As as much an institution as Nashville still has, uh, you know, you are just have become synonymous with this town, um, and so I think you're you are one of the great monuments uh, left in Nashville. I think so. We are so so honored to have you on the show, and and we've got a million questions uh, we want to ask you, but let's start with 
uh, Mr. Businessman. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of the backstory of that song, what inspired you uh, to write it, and um, and sort of your the transition? You've reached into every sort of conceivable genre of songwriting. Uh, the transition into the more serious side, where you where you ended up doing things like Everything Is Beautiful and Misty uh, and and Mr. Businessman. Well, first of all, I didn't write Misty, but uh, sure. I made a record with a banjo of Misty. So <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Businessman was a song I wrote because I had gotten a short end of a business deal and I was so mad. And instead of uh, punching a guy in the nose, which uh, <laughs> is a no-no, I uh, wrote the song just to vent my frustration. And uh, I wrote it really quick one morning, one Saturday morning, I think, uh, it was a Saturday, and uh, I uh, I wrote it, you know, all in one sitting, just uh, about an hour or so. Wow, there you that's go. awesome. Just sitting there playing that one note on the piano, <laughs> and then it just came to you. Oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. yeah, that was, uh, that was a frustrating intro. That was one of those intros you play when you go, oh, golly, I'm so mad. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it though. I do love that the intro, you know, that piano note. So it's an E and then, and then it adds that dissonant second note, that sort of E flat, you know, right in there and starts kind of climbing down. I love the way that adds uh tension even, you know, it's, it kind of fits thematically with the song. I do. I love that so much. I remember uh, great. even as a, even as a kid, uh, that was sort of my first exposure to the more serious side of, of Ray Stevens. Um, I think it was on maybe one of the greatest hits albums that I had of yours as a kid. And, um, and, but I remember at like nine years old listening to that song and it, it making an impact on the way that I want to live my life at nine. I went, this is important. I need to, I need to listen to this and really, you know, take this in. <laughs> Rob's like, I don't want to have ulcers. <laughs> yeah, no way. Yeah. Um, so I, I, that's always a song to me that has stuck with me and very, very few songs outside of, uh, you know, songs of faith and hymns and, and things like that have made that kind of impact on me. But, but Mr. Businessman, for whatever reason, really grabbed me from the very first time I heard it, uh, even as a kid. Well, uh, you know, uh, it's, it, the message is, uh, if you take, uh, take it in context, it's, it's a good message. And, um, you know, everybody should, uh, you know, listen to it and make up their own mind as to whether or not, uh, they want to, uh, uh, kind of model their life after certain aspects of the song. But I mean, you know, it does in the end, uh, uh, pr uh project a, a pretty good, uh, idea of, you know, the right thing to do. Sure. It does. And it made me so happy. Uh, I got to come in, I guess it would have been 2019, uh, to the cabaret and bring my oldest son, um, and you, I, I thought there's no way he's going to do Mr. Businessman, but sure enough, you did in the middle of the set. And I was so happy that, uh, my son and I got to, got to see you do that one live. It was, it was fantastic. Oh, good. Well, nice to hear. And we'll, we'll talk about the cabaret in a minute. Um, but, uh, all right. I, I got some, some more questions. I just, some things we got to know from the, from the mind of Ray Stevens. Um, let me start with, uh, what's the difference between kind of a, a country song with humorous elements and a straight up comedy song. I don't know. You know, uh, music is music, and uh, a lot of is of the categorization is identified by the instruments used in making the records. Uh, you know, a country song. Uh, 
of course, it has uh, words and sentiments that are usually thought of and used by people of a rural background, and uh, uh, that, uh, to me, is a, is a good background to have because it's uh, certainly uh, a realistic way to look at life, and it's not uh, impaired by having to live in, in a big city where every move you make is, oops, I'm sorry I ran into you, you know. Right. So uh, I uh, <clears throat> uh, think that a lot of songs... Uh, the, uh, a lot of the great country songs were covered by pop artists down through the years. And, uh, of course, some of them use big uh, pop bands, you know, strings and horns and things that are not normally on a country record. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, music's music. And uh, they're, like I said, there's only 12 notes. So <laughs> uh, no matter what you... What you uh, what category you want to write in, you can make your song fit into that category simply by using a few phrases and using a few uh, instruments in the in the recording that uh, lean in that direction, you know? Yeah. Is there, if you just, on a neutral day, sit down to write, um, what direction, is there a direction that you find yourself going more often than not? I realize, you know, especially. No, later. I just try to. I just try to write a song for the song's sake itself. You okay. know, uh, uh, write the best song I can about the the subject that I'm writing about. You know, I think a song is made up of, uh, well, two elements: uh, 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 craft and uh, inspiration. And uh, if you get inspired to write a song, and you have the experience to. Uh, use the craft of songwriting. You can write it really fast. Yeah, that's. Uh, the- and I forget the point I was going to make, but uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, song songwriting is just like anything else. You have to uh, do it and do it over and over. And uh, and when I write a song, I just try to write the best song I can. I'm. I don't even think about what category somebody's going to want to put it in. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, do you have any, are there any songs in your catalog that the listeners might recognize that started out in one direction and, 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 and switched kind of midstream of writing? Does that ever happen that it's, you know, starts out as something, uh, something straight and ends up a comedy song or vice versa? I don't know. It might have, I hadn't really kept track of that. Okay. All right. Um, if uh, how do you know when when you're writing a song? Do you ever think, and you you may not uh, based on based on what you're saying, it, this this may not be the case. But when you're writing a song, do you think, okay, this is a song for me, or this is a song I'm going to pitch to somebody else? Well, you know, I started out writing so <laughs> excuse me, songs just for me. But uh, you know, other people uh, have recorded some of them, and uh, so that's fine. You know, I I really don't think about who's going to record the song. I just write the song. For the song's sake. Okay. So, so Ray, we were looking back. I was looking through your discography. First of all, you've got 45, uh, 45 studio albums, wow. 125 singles. Like, you've written a ton of stuff. Um, so, I was looking back through the kind of chronologically. So, from 72 through 78, you made one album every single year. And then from 80 through 91, you made one album every single year. What happened in 1979? Why did you take that year off? Why'd you, why'd you <laughs> what slack happened in 79? 79, right? 
I have no idea. I, you know, I don't. Uh, I'm not a historian. Okay, okay, got it. We, uh, but you are are a legend. We've. Uh, I, I've watched a lot of your cabaret stuff, which is new, uh, newer, and I've enjoyed watching you as a as an interviewer and a host. You're a wonderful host. I, I watched your whole episode with Don McLean. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, but one thing I did want to comment on is your gear. You play a, a mini Squire uh, Strat. Um, and through a, a PV amp, how did you land on that as your guitar of choice? That's a not typically a, a high dollar what guitar. You, I don't mean that. Uh, what did you call it? What did you call it? The mini Squire Stratocaster, the the, the red uh, Strat that you play the guitar when you're playing. Uh, it's a little. It's a little Fender, I think. Yep, yeah. it's, it's a little Fender that you play on uh, on on guitar Zan. Did there. you choose the? Did yeah. you, did did you, you choose, choose the smaller Strat on purpose or or? Uh, is there a reason? You uh, no, I, I don't play guitar. I, you know, if it'll make a sound, that's fine with me. I, <laughs> I'm a piano player. Um, I uh, needed a guitar that was small that would fit on an airplane to go on the road okay. easily. Okay. And uh, they had a sale on Fender red ones, and I thought, <laughs> well, red's nice, so I bought that one. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. you did mention that you are a piano player and and a fantastic well, one and a that. fantastic one at that. One of my favorite songs by you references another legendary piano player. I'm a huge Barry Manilow fan, so my favorite track by you is "I Need Your Help, Barry Manilow." Um, all the references are. <laughs> brilliantly woven in there um and i'm still waiting for barry to write a ray stevens song so i'm still i'm still waiting on that but how did you uh, don't don't hold your breath <laughs> i want to hear his version of the streak now i uh the uh how did you was barry Manilow always on your radar or how did we land on on him as your subject of choice or was just because he was prominent well, at the time I, I i did not write that song uh, a friend of mine wrote it and uh gave it to my manager, Don Williams at the time. And, uh, he brought me the song and I said, okay. And I cut it. So there you go. There you go. Well, there you well, go. All right. All right. <laughs> nice and simple. I, um, I tell you it's something I, I really found amusing, uh, when I, when I saw you live at the cabaret, um, so you, you know, you come out and you do a, a fantastic set. And for those of you, I guess now's a good a time as any to talk about the cabaret in, uh, in West Nashville. Um, it's a, it's a full blown dinner and show, uh, you know, opportunity. And then there's a balcony for people who just, who just want to see the show and, and, and hear the music. Um, but it's the kind of, uh, entertainment and you are the kind of entertainer that there are very few of left. Um, it's, it's, first of all, it's, it's clean, which is, uh, it's super rare. Um, and uh, it's just got it, it's that classic sort of variety show, you know, kind of feel. And of course, you're 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 pulling out hit after hit, and everybody's you know crying, laughing by the time it's all over. Um, but then one of the one of the coolest things you you know you you do a hour hour and a half show, uh, and then you come out, you meet all the people, you're hanging out, to, you know, and taking pictures and that kind of thing. And then five minutes later, as you're heading out, uh, you know, I'm walking out into the lobby. And here is Ray at the piano bar taking shots and singing more songs for another hour, hour and a half. You're just hanging out um, and just being a man of the people. And I just really love that. Is there a is that something that you do to kind of relax and wind down after a show at the cabaret? Well, I don't know about relaxing, winding down, but uh, uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, get a guy named John Genethis, who is an expert at piano bar uh, performing, and <clears throat> he uh, agreed to, to work the piano bar before and after my show on stage in the main theater. And uh, I sometimes go out there and uh, 
sit with John and sing a couple of songs. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a lot of fun. It really was. It was great. And it's something you don't expect. You know, that's, you talk about sort of an added value, uh, you know, a nice, a nice surprise. Uh, everybody gets this sort of intimate, uh, you know, time to, to hang out with Ray afterwards. So that was really great. Tell us a little bit about the idea behind the cabaret, uh, and, and how that's all worked. I know it's a multi-purpose thing for you. Um, so tell, tell the people a little bit about, uh, Ray's cabaret. Well, you know, I, I worked Vegas a lot back in the eighties and, uh, and seventies and, and, uh, <clears throat> Uh, my favorite place to work in Vegas was a, uh, a place called the Desert Inn. And uh, it, it was relatively small. It only seated, I think, 650 people. And so when I started uh, designing the cabaret, uh, it turned out it seats about 700. And I uh, wanted a place that people could come and not sit in tight rows like sardines to see a show like most venues are. I wanted uh, to go back to those golden days of yore and have people <laughs> sit at a table and uh, have a drink if they want, have food if they want, and enjoy the show, which is what it was at the Desert Inn in Vegas. And so uh, now the Desert Inn's gone. They tore it down. <clears throat> but uh, so uh, I'm doubly glad I built the cabaret. Meanwhile, uh, it's just a place to have fun. You know, uh, I, uh, discovered long time ago that I kind of have fun on stage and, uh, I, uh, you know, as I've, I've gotten older, I just want to do a little bit more of that. So, uh, that was another reason I wanted to build a cabaret, but, uh, uh, I think people, uh, what comes around goes around the old saying. I think that's true. And I think people are ready for, uh, a venue where they don't have to go in uh, and sit in row after row of tight little seats. And if you have to go to the bathroom, God forbid, you have to say, excuse me, 12 <laughs> times before you get to the aisle. And <clears throat> so I think people are ready for a, a place like that. Well, it's it's a fantastic experience. <laughs> there's a there's one part of all these interviews that we do with people where I just kind of we rapid fire things that we love about them that are random and maybe a little off off uh, the beaten path of some of your hits. We did mention we're talking about Biz- Mr. Businessman, which is from Even Stevens, which was your third studio album. Some of your best non silly work is on here. I think uh, track one, the minority about the street preacher. It's amazing. Uh, Great Escape, middle, cl- middle Class Work Life. It's kind of a fast-paced song that I'll walk into work with, uh, and it's last on the album, so it's a great way for our, uh, our listeners to kickstart their day at work if they're looking for something to go in there, too. Um, so those are some, some highlights off of that album that I really like. In the original Ahab the Arab video, uh, you know, the Sheik of the Burning Sand, everybody needs a camel named Claude. I'll say that first of all. <laughs> and Confession, I straight up crushed on the original Fatima in that video. So how did we land on her? Do you remember who that was on the video? Do you remember who she was? I know that's uh, random. Gosh, no. I, I, <laughs> you mean I made more than one video of they had the A-Rex? No, 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 no. Just the, I, the, the video back in the day. Not the live ones or anything. Just the, the concept music yeah. video. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember who it was, but I can't recall her name right that's now. A, she a, was good, though. She did a good job. You did a, a wonderful job. Yeah. Um, and your version of You Are So Beautiful is completely different from the people that have heard the Joe Cocker version. It's more of a bluegrass version, and I love it in the style of the Billy Preston classic. Uh, so, so good. Yeah. Um, well, thanks. 
Yeah. You've, you've, I didn't, uh, my voice didn't go south on me like Joe's did at the end. And, uh, <laughs> so uh, that's a, sort of a charming thing, though, that happened on his record. Yeah. A lot of people like that. Yeah, I, I do. It's one of those nice, one of those nice uh, unintentional moments that would probably never happen now. Everything's got to be too perfect. They would never allow that in the studio now. So. Yeah. Well, they can put a machine on it and make it right. Sound Absolutely, they right. make it sound fantastic. Yeah, that's on the, the 1976 album. Just for the record, for our listeners that are listening at home, you've done everything there is to do in the music industry. You've been a studio musician. Uh, you know, obviously a writer. You've been a producer. Uh, an arranger, uh, an A and R guy. Um, what what do you what do you see as sort of your legacy in uh, in the music industry? Well, I think uh, <clears throat> I'm one of those people who <clears throat> just has to do his own thing and uh, don't worry about uh, what other people might think uh, because uh, I've got a whole idea of what I need to be doing and uh you know if I deviate from that it doesn't turn out too good it's, it's, <laughs> it seems gotcha so I just do what I do my thing and hope it turns out good <laughs> all right well then I'm going to ask you this question expecting you not to have an answer for it but I'm going to ask it anyway um of of all the songs that you've recorded um in it, whether they are you know uh, serious or or silly or, or patriotic or gospel if you had to pick one song to be remembered for what would you want that song to be oh gosh i don't know you can't <laughs> tell people what they're going to remember i would That's guess true. they would probably remember everything is beautiful yeah. and the streak and the streak and <laughs> what those a funny would legacy be the two songs that i think would stick in a lot of people's minds although a lot of people's minds that might know those songs are not with us anymore. So, <laughs> but the younger people uh, do know those two songs. It seems. Yeah, and I promise I'm doing my best to to uh, to pass it on to future generations. My household, uh, when I told them I was getting to talk to you today, they they freaked out. Uh, as as did I. But but my kids are so so excited for us to get to talk to you. Um, I, uh, I, I gotta ask you about, you are, in my opinion, the king of the musical laugh track. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I would hear some of these songs, um, that, that have laugh tracks on them. And as a kid, you just assume, oh, that's live. You know, it's, it's the laugh track can, can, can literally fool a kid into thinking this is a live cut. Um, but, uh, I've always been interested in the process of, of putting a laugh track into a song to give it that live feel. What was, what made you start doing that? And how do you decide sort of, you know, what laugh goes where as far as the, you know, what lines get the big laugh? I've collected a whole lot of laughs, uh, different ones, small, big, medium, uh, big crowds, small crowds. I've got, uh, just a, a library of audience response. And, so I, uh, I just, you know, you, you usually put down, if you want to try to fool people, you put down a base of ambient, room ambience uh -huh. that uh, is created by an audience just sitting there talking among themselves. Yeah. And you can, you can gauge the volume of that ambience in your mix, final mix. But then you add uh, uh, the, tra the laughs that would seem appropriate and uh, or the applause that would seem appropriate, and and uh, the ambience sort of helps it meld together. And sometimes you get lucky, and people don't know that it's re uh, that it's pre-recorded laughed audience response, I should say. But uh, you know, even if they do, 
uh, it's sort of an indication of, hey, this is funny. This is where you're supposed to laugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because some people don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've seen, you know, you see uh, certain stand-up comedians. I think of like Ron White, who he uses a prop, you know, he'll have a, a whiskey glass. And you know when he raises that whiskey glass to his lips, it's time for you to laugh. That's how he <laughs> sort of punctuates the joke. So I've always thought the laugh track was a great way to sort of be able to punctuate, uh, you know, the jokes in, in these different tracks. I love it. Well, you've been uh, you've been so kind with your time. We just got a couple quick questions for you, Randy. We'll let you enjoy your day. Thank you so much again for for hanging out with us for a minute. It's been a lot of fun. The uh, how did you you on uh, on your nineteen seventy eight project? Be your own best friend. You did a lot of stuff with with Chet Atkins. How did you and Chet become? Uh, were y'all friends? Were y'all just musical? It just happened to work. Were y'all were in the studio at the same time, or how did that? Uh, how did that partnership? Well, line up? well, when I moved to Nashville in nineteen sixty two from Atlanta. I met Chet, and uh, I moved up to work for Mercury Records in the production department, the A&R department. And uh, I, of course, met all the musicians uh, and all the other, you know, prominent people in the music business. And because Nashville at that time was relatively small. And uh, Chet hired me to play on and uh, write strings for, uh, you know, uh, some sessions. And so we became uh, friends through the music, through the studios. And uh, I, I don't know. I just liked Chet, and he seemed to like me. So we <laughs> play golf. And, and uh, one of the things I, I started to do uh, back in the early days, I'd make a little money, and I'd say, well, what am I going to do with this? I shouldn't just spend it. And I looked around, and Chet and, and Owen Bradley were buying property, real estate in the Music City area. And I thought, well, that might turn out to be a good investment. These guys are pretty smart. So I did some of that. And sure enough, it was uh, uh, fairly good investments. And uh, so Chet and I bought some property together at at one point. And uh, so, you know, I don't know. We just sort of uh, drifted into a friendship and it was a, a really good thing. I really enjoyed Chet. Fantastic. Um, I've got, I'm going to ask you one more question and then we, then we've got one, one question that we ask everybody that we interview, but, um, of, of all the, uh, wonderful silliness that you have given the world, uh, you know, everything from the Mississippi squirrel revival, uh, to Osama, yo mama, which I listened to this morning on the way in, um, uh, all the way back to like Jeremiah Peabody's, you know, polyunsaturated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, th- I, I think it's got to be the silliest thing you have ever done. Uh, where you have recorded multiple tracks as uh, a flock of chickens uh, <laughs> cackling. And um, when when I was a kid, before I knew who Glenn Miller was, I literally, the only version of In the Mood that I knew <laughs> was your version where it's just squawking chickens. What in the world were you thinking that, that made you go, you know what, this would be real funny if I was just a bunch of chickens on this track? I don't know, but I, I, I could make a pretty good chicken sound. Yeah. And so I thought, well, I should, I should, uh, they, I had a new multi-track machine and I could stack voices and, and chicken sounds. And so <laughs> I decided to do in the mood by uh, the hen house five plus two, because there was a goat and, a uh, some, uh, a some cow, other I think, at uh, the end. animal. Yeah. And, uh, so I did, and I was on Warner brothers at the time and, I asked them to put it out. They didn't want to put it out, but I, you know, I kept after them. So they put it out. <laughs> sure enough, it uh, sold a lot of records. So, uh, 
you know, it was just a fun thing to do. Yeah. And then later you come down the line and you do the same thing with, uh, with, uh, I think, I think your version was called thus cacked Henrietta. Uh, that would be also yeah. Zarathustra, which people would know as the, the 2001, a space odyssey opening. Let me tell you friends, if you have never heard the, uh, that song done, at, uh, by a bunch of chickens, you owe it to yourself to go find <laughs> Ray's version and, uh, make sure you thus do that. Uh, Zelda or something. What was the real title of that? Uh, uh, also, Zarathustra. Vespake Zarathustra. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, no, the original title of the song. So, I don't know why, who Zarathustra was, <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, there we go. Well, one last question, Ray, and then we'll let you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you again. Okay, so you're either on tour or you're, you're on tour and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And uh, while you're thinking of that, I'll tell you what mine is. Uh, when I was growing up, my mom would say I could have any candy bar I want, so I would get a Three Musketeers bar because it was the most ounces, and they were all uh, about the same price. So I would get a Three Musketeers bar. What is your gas station snack food of choice, Ray? Uh, I would have to say peanut butter crackers. There we know, go. Okay, that's a new one. A little pack of crackers. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Very practical. Very practical. A little protein and a little a little carbs getting you through some some good energy. That's good. That's good. Uh, Ray, seriously, in all in all seriousness, I want to say thank you so much for your for your contribution uh, to to the world of of music, to the world of comedy, uh, and and you know you've uh, you're an important part of my musical life, uh, and I just want to say thanks and give you the flowers and honor that you deserve while I have a chance to do it. So thank you so much for joining us today and and for being a part and for everything you've brought into the world. Uh, it's it's been a real treat to talk to you today. Yeah, you're you're one of our favorites. We're both in our late thirties and we uh, we cut our teeth on you. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Ray. Well, uh, thank you for having me on your show and uh, you're very complimentary and I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much. We wish you all the best. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. This is the Great Song Podcast. All right, Rob. Uh, Welcome back. Welcome back, folks. Uh, How do you think that interview went, Rob? Well, I don't know. Um, (laughs) It, uh, you know, um, I just, I just showed up and did the interview and, uh, and, uh, and it was what it was. That's awesome. That's so good. No, we laughed. We were worried at first. We get nervous when we do these interviews because we want them to go well. Uh And so if we feel like the slightest thing might be off, we're like, it's ruined. Whole thing is ruined. (laughs) And so when we first did the interview, Ray was doing this colloquial thing that Southerners do of, of just starting. It's a stall for time while you think, think of something of your to say. Yep. It's, so when we podcast, I say stuff like, you know, we, we give it um or I go uh, I say so, sure a lot. Sure sure's my stall word. I go Or my uh, agreement word. I say stuff like, uh, yeah, so, and uh-huh. that's just me letting my brain reboot. You yep. know what I mean? Uh-huh. So he, uh, he, it starts a lot of his questions with stuff like, well, I don't know. And then he says the real answer. And then answer. he gives the answer. But we're like, man, our questions must have bombed. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but we listened back through it this week. Rob's like, it's not so bad. And yeah. so I listened back. I was like, okay, it was good. But when we first did it, we we're like, man, we, we kind of missed the mark. But, yeah. Uh, but Ray, super kind. Super yeah. kind. It was a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoyed it. A little different than some of the stuff that we've covered. Yeah. But, uh, but truly a treat. But great. Truly a legend. Incredible song. I, you know, I meant to say this before the interview, but I'll just tack it on now. I, so I sat down and played this song. We didn't even talk about the complication of this song musically but it's really complicated we only played up through the up through the first we didn't even get to the hook we didn't get to the well no we did we did we did did. but the it's got the second verse is completely different second verse goes to a totally different key and it's got this incredible walk down uh matter of fact let's send them out with it let's send them out and it just listen to these key changes but I, i sat down i was so proud of myself the other day i sat down 
and just played this song and sang it start to finish without having to stop and think about a chord. Wow. And and I went, oh, that's what all this time practicing was for. <laughs> so that I can just sit down when I want to and play, and play a, song a song that's not easy. Yeah. And and just be able to just play it. You that's know what a, I mean? That's I, awesome. I was like, this is the culmination of my musical experience right. that I can just sit down and play Mr. That's Businessman good. if I decide to. That's you know, in, in E flat. A little or tougher e, than thank you for giving to the Lord. It is. Yeah. Bible. It's it's not your one five six four, that's you know. Right. Next got, week on the Great Song Podcast, Ray Perm. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can think of, Ray Perm. <laughs> That's all, man. The guy, the guy had a perm in his mustache My for God. crying out loud. Like he just had. I mean, he was all perm. <laughs> a perm imagine, in his mustache. He really did. Imagine like if 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 Don Mattingly got all like <laughs> dolled up. You know, that's what he looked like. That's if Don awesome. Mattingly from the eighties, yeah. if his hair was, if he was allowed to grow long hair that's while good. he played for the Yankees, um, it, it, that's what that's he looked amazing. like, like a like a big buff Don Mattingly with a with a silk shirt and a glitzy uh, microphone. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Ray Bolts. That's awesome. I can't believe we're talking about Ray Bolts. All, all right. Ray's we'll be back next week with another great episode and a great song. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music. Oh, play the song. Get down to business, Mr. Businessman, if you can before. This chord progression is nuts, dude. I've listened to this song so many times since we started talking about doing this. Yeah. Did you see your children growing up today? Did you hear Baseline. the music of their laughter as they set about to play? Did you catch the fragrance of those roses in your garden? Did the morning sunlight warm your soul brighten up your day? The way he gets back to the original key. We're back in the original key. So nuts. That's awesome. This is the way this tension builds. Wasting precious time and health, placing value. It's like chopsticks. Chopsticks, yes. Yeah. Disregarding priceless. But it's just same note staying on top. Lower note just going down by half steps. Even here. Come on. Dang. You know what? We're not done talking about this song. We're not done talking about this song. This is bonus bonus time. Stoppage time, okay? This is as as much as we as much as we talk about the fact that I don't listen to the lyrics. This song is a song that I have always appreciated the lyric on. The, go read the lyric sheet to this and and take it in. It is such a Tight lyric, dude, and it fits in the '60s, in the '70s, in the yes. '80s, in the '90s, today. Ab- absolutely, picture any movie about the businessman. Yeah. in the '80s, yeah, this song this, can be the soundtrack. Yeah, this could have been on the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, exactly. You could know? have been. I was thinking Wall Street, the original one yeah. with Charlie Sheen. It could be in that too. Yeah, like, this is brilliant song. It, just incredible, and the way the way the tension builds. It starts out with that one ding ding ding. Thing, thing, which we're in E in the interview. I'm like, are we in C? And he's like, no, idiot, we're in E, which is probably another reason I felt like he didn't like us. Um, but we, so we're in E, right? And then it just goes ding, 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 ding. So ding. what is that note? Is that that's an E, an E note? Yeah, uh huh. So um, then what we're what the piano is doing? See what you were doing though. You were playing the C chord because you thought that was the top of the tritone. That's why why you thought C is that E note? I don't know. No, yeah, I know, no idea. Uh, so we're going. So it's E E E E E, and then the note under it starts to move, right? So it's it, one note splits to two, and then it just grows farther and farther and farther apart. Okay, 
until it hits the a major two chord. So it's going e e e e e, and then an e stays on top, but then these other notes start to slide out from under it. So it goes e e e e e d sharp d sharp d sharp d sharp d d d d d c sharp c sharp c c c c. So that's just chromatically B flat, and that's da da da. That's an F sharp chord. That's where you hear the rest of the band come in. Just brilliant. The tension that that builds while he's singing about this guy who's who's letting his real life get away from him, chasing the brass ring or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He misses kids growing up. He's cheating on his wife. He's got all these, uh, and he's not even happy. Mm-hmm. He's not even happy. He's got all this stuff, and he's he's achieving the things. And uh, the, the line about 86-proof anesthetic crutches brought you to the top where the smiles are all synthetic and the ulcers never stop. Are you serious? <laughs> Holy cow dude that is there is so much in that little couplet you know it's like oh my oh my word so you end up with a guy who has achieved everything and realized well i don't he he doesn't even realize yet that the the narrator is trying to get him to realize you're missing it dude yeah you're achieving your dreams and you're missing it yeah it's good man that's heavy that's good golly that's heavy good bonus time thank you for sticking around i'm glad we talked about it yeah i I, I can't believe i almost let that almost let that go we almost didn't actually talk about the song you know (laughs) it's crazy anyway but those key changes are nuts the way he gets back to the original key at the end of of the thing is just insane. So anyway, hope, hope you stuck around and enjoyed. It, yeah, right? hope you enjoyed overtime. That's right. If you're you're a real one, if you heard this, you're, right. you are a real one, and we appreciate you. Thank you so much uh, for for tuning in. <laughs> we'll be back again next week with another great song. Once again, I'm Rob. I'm still JP. Go listen to some music. <laughs>